Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Jack Healy. And today on the Gotham Sports Machine, we're going to be talking about the New York Mets with our co-host, Mark Healy, and our guest, Tim Healy, who covers the Mets for Newsday. How are you guys doing today? I am excellent. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Jack Healy and Mark Healy. This is a, this is great. You know, like the, all the Healy's who spell their name correctly are all on the same show. It's good stuff. Right. I, uh, a Healy Palooza, L-E-Y. <laughs> All right, so after a hot and cold start from the Mets, there seems to be a frustration with the fans. I mean, the big headline going into this season, because we've always had great pitching in the starting with the starting pitching, it's we were supposed to have a great top end of the lineup and we're slumping. Do you think it's the hitting coach or is it too early in the season to tell? What do you guys think? I'd say it's too early in the season to tell. Uh, I think if you had a random 18 game stretch in which a team was not hitting it wouldn't get as much attention as this would um, the Mets to be clear have been terrible at hitting terrible at scoring really bad with runners in scoring position really bad at slugging in any situation um, so it's a really bad start for the lineup for sure but I, I don't know that my preseason expectations have changed at all I came into the season expecting them to hit a lot and score a lot and that hasn't happened yet but I, I still fully expect that to happen eventually I agree with Tim uh, I feel uh, confident that this group will hit uh, they have proven in the past that they're streaky and you know adding Lindor and adding McCann uh, I, I think there's an adjustment period I don't think that these guys played a lot last year um, a lot of people have been making comparisons to last year's numbers, this year's numbers. And I don't think you could look at last year as anything resembling a measurement. Mm -hmm. And, 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 you know, so I, I agree with Tim. I think that eventually guys like Lindor will, you know, lead the way and, and be great offensive players. It's just a matter of getting their rhythm. I don't think it's the hitting coach. I think they like working with Chili Davis. Uh, I think that Chili is probably, you know, frustrated. Uh, just as much as anybody, because, um, you know, the guys rave about his, you know, the things that he does with them as far as like, you know, video and things like that. I, I think it's a combination of, you know, it's colder than we expected. The hot weather uh, certainly will help. And I think the other thing, too, is and I think Tim will agree with this. You know, Lindor is a notoriously slow starter. He's not a guy that, you know, gets hot in April. This is a guy that, you know, as the weather gets warmer, his bat gets, you know, warmer. So I'm not worried about uh, their offense. You know, I'm really not. Because that's really all I really want to hear, because as long as you guys aren't worried, because, <laughs> I mean, it, it just seems like every time the Mets are, oh, they got this great lineup, they, they still can't score runs. And – that's it's just killer when you have these great starting pitching every other game you have a guy who'll go seven innings give you three hits and two runs and then you don't have any runs to score or you go one run and you still lose the game and it's just it's so brutal for me to watch and yeah definitely a drag um but like like mark said and as i said uh you know i, I don't see this as a long-term problem for them they, they have too many good hitters for this to be their true talent level. 
Yeah, with the especially with Lindor being a notoriously sl- slow starter, I mean, the Mets seem to always fizzle out too towards the end. And if he's going to be a guy that can carry them at the end because he's going to get hot at the end, I would love – you just really would love to see that. You need someone who could be big down the stretch and make those big-time plays. For sure. So do you think that J.D. Davis has locked himself as that, at that third base spot? Uh, you know, he was pretty much locked into that spot coming into the year. Uh, the Mets obviously weren't too confident in him, or at least were skeptical enough that they explored upgrades at third base. But once they went to spring training with no additions there, he was the guy. And at this point, I think everybody's aware of the daily decision that the Mets have to make. Uh, and that essentially is... They hope J.D. Davis's bats will impact the game on any given day more than his glove will. A couple times last week, the glove cost the Mets in a big, big way. You could say it cost them two games that they could have won. Um, But he's also been off to a very good start as a hitter. So that's basically just who J.D. Davis is at this point. And the Mets seem to have accepted that. Because I I really did like J.D. Davis in 2018 2019 when he was hitting well I mean absolutely top hitters and he can he showed he can really hit the ball and he wasn't bad enough of a fielder where it's like you can't have the guy out there like Mm -hmm. he'll still make some plays and he has been he has been the past few games he'll make a play here and there and you're like all right there you go and I'm happy that they did find someone Guillaume who if he does start slumping again you can be like oh we could throw Guillaume out there like you don't have that spot solidified if you don't do both sides of the field. Definitely, yeah. I think Guillaume, you know, there's definitely a case to be made that the Mets should play Guillaume more. Um, I think if the Mets were hitting the way they are capable of hitting, then it would be easier to say, okay, take the hit on offense at third base and just play your best infield defender there, aside from Lindor. Put Guillaume at third most days. But the way that the Mets are hitting, I can see why they want Davis's bat in there pretty much every day. Yeah, 100%. It's uh, an argument my, me and my dad have been having. He's, he's always wanted to see Guillaume play more, but it seems like the only way he's going to play now is if someone gets hurt, and no one wants that. You, can't, you don't want one of your best players getting hurt, especially now when you everyone's really got to start gelling together and they got to start building up that chemistry. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. I think, uh, you know, Guillaume can be a very valuable player for this team. Um, you know, and I think if he ever got a chance to show that on a more regular basis, then it would be proven even more true, but the Mets are where they are right now. <laughs> I don't think they're changing their mind immediately. Well, the other thing, too, is the other thing, too, is, is that, you know, Guillaume, you know, he's not really a third baseman. You know, I mean, I know J.D. Davis isn't either. But, you know, like, you know, I, I this goes back a, a ways. But, you know, he's not Dave Maggot in there. I mean, he's not he's not a statue. I mean, mm-hmm. J.D. Davis, you know, he's he's you know, he, he he's got some issues. He reminds me a lot, uh, Tim. I don't know if you remember you know, uh, Howard Johnson playing. I mean, I know you're, you're much younger than me, but, you know, Hojo had a lot of the same issues that JD has, you know, he's, 
his glove is not the problem as much as as it's his arm and his decision making at third base. Um, you know, that that's the thing that for me, uh, you know, the fact that he's working as hard as he is, that Luis Rojas has gone out of his way to say that J.D. works. And I think that, you know, uh, the infield as a, as a group, uh, they do work a lot together. So I, I think that, you know, for people to be um, overly concerned uh, about J.D. Davis or about Guillaume getting more of an opportunity, look, th- these guys – as the season goes on, it's a 162 game season. As the season goes on, I think that Guillaume will get his opportunity to play, like you said. And, you know, now Jeff McNeil's heating up a little bit. So, you know, uh, there's been some weird machinations with him in the lineup. Uh, I, I just think it's a question at this point, uh, guys, that, you know, Luis Rojas is trying to figure out how to get this lineup to produce all at once and string some hits together. And I don't think it's any one guy that's the problem. I think they all have their issues. So it's just a matter of keep throwing people out there and hope that something starts to stick, right? Absolutely, yeah. I think you touched on an important point that Davis and Guillaume, however their playing time is split up, are important players to this team. Absolutely. So I've seen on Twitter – especially this morning about uh, Oliver Perez potentially being arm in the Mets bullpen, even though he's, uh, he's old, he, he didn't have the best time with the Mets, especially the way he left. Would you guys consider that an option, especially with the lack of lefties in the bullpen right now? I think the Mets would be doing themselves a disservice if they didn't at least consider it right. Oliver Perez He's super old now for a baseball player, uh, but has been good. And he, he's never stopped being good. You know, he left the Mets in 2010 and since then has had, let me pull it up here real quick. Since leaving the Mets, he has a 3.42 ERA in a decade. So it's really impressive career he's put together. Since the start of last season, he has a 1.66 ERA. So I have to think that Oliver Perez is going to get picked up by somebody after the Indians DFA'd him this morning. Um, And the Mets, I don't know if the Mets are going to do that, but they need to at least consider it and go through whatever evaluative or scouting process, you know, call call up their guy who watches the Indians, see what he thinks. they need to consider it because you're right. The Mets only have one left-hander in the bullpen. That's Aaron Loop. They don't even really have much in the way of left-handed reliever depth. Blevins retired. Steven Tarpley has not proven he's a major leaguer. Daniel Zamora hasn't been up at all this year. So that kind of tells you what the Mets think about him. Um, so the Mets can definitely stand to add a, a left-handed reliever. I think the other thing too, Jack, uh, you know, and, and Tim is that, you know, the Wilpons aren't there anymore. So if the Wilpons were there, especially Jeff, he'd be afraid to bring back an Oliver Perez because of, you know, just, just the fact that he would be criticized, you know, for bringing back a guy that, you know, had his moments of like, he had some great moments too, as a player, you know? So, I mean, I remember in Gotham baseball magazine when Howard Megdow and you know, Howard, Tim, Mm -hmm. um, 
you know, he had, he had done a piece on Oliver Perez back in the day uh, for Gotham baseball magazine, you know, basically comparing early Ali Perez to early Sandy Colfax. Now, obviously it didn't turn out that way, but um, you know, Oliver Perez is a guy who could be a weapon and he, and he's a proven major leaguer. It's not a guy that, and he it wasn't even pitching that poorly this year. Um, and if he's healthy, uh, you know, I, I, look, as I said this morning on Twitter, uh, it's not a terrible idea. Uh, and as Tim said, it would kind of be um, irresponsible for the Mets not to take a look at him because, you know, Ali, first of all, Ali knows what it's like to pitch in New York. He's not going to be, you know, and he's definitely been around the block. Now, I, I do take offense, Jack, you know, that you're calling him old. Uh, 39. I'd kill to be 39. I'm being honest with you right now. <laughs> so, but uh, I, I would love for them. Honestly, I, I mean, I, I, I think that um, as an option, uh, uh, certainly, uh, you know, with, with Tarpley and, and, um, and Zamora, I would definitely, uh, I like the idea of Ali uh, getting a look. I think that's a great question, Jack. So going into the all-star break, is there any really, other than we just said the lefty in the bullpen, but do you really think there's something that they should go and look for? at the break to make a deal for it. Do you think there's a, any big hole? I don't think there's any big hole right now. I, it, it's almost impossible to make that evaluation three weeks in. Um, but w- with the, you know, in the months to come, the Mets weaknesses and holes will present themselves. And then the Mets can handle that. Then, you know, you, you always hear executives say that if you make a trade in April, something has gone really wrong um, because that means you did not do a good enough job on the off season. You did not do a good enough job um, during spring training, picking out your guys uh, for the bottom of the roster usually. So um, right now there are no glaring weaknesses on the Mets roster. Uh, and that's mostly because you have to see how things play out a little bit more. That's fair. That's fair. You know, it's, you know, Jack, I'm sorry. I, I, I think that, you know, the very idea that they're getting Syndergaard and Carrasco, I used to get, I used to get irritated when Steve Phillips would talk about, uh, you know, uh, and other Met general managers and they talk about getting guys back from injury, like they were making a trade, but in essence, uh, what team in baseball, can say that they're adding a Noah Syndergaard and a Car- Carlos Carrasco to their starting rotation, uh, to a starting rotation that's been pretty good, um, and adding those two caliber of, of pitchers without having to give anybody up. I mean, they may, they'll have to make a roster move to accommodate putting them on the roster. But, you know, just getting those two guys back, I think, is going to be huge uh, for the Mets, especially, you know, other teams in the NL East start having injuries because then starting pitching is going to become a premium. And, you know, it's, it's, you, I don't think you can, I don't think you can uh, undersell how important that's going to be to get those two guys back in the rotation. We've seen how dominant a healthy Noah Syndergaard can be in Matt pairing now with the MVP like DeGrom season, that could be dangerous. I would I love to see a healthy Thor. I t- totally agree. I think people forget because it's been a couple of years now, but Noah Syndergaard in his career is 
an elite starting pitcher when he's healthy. The problem, of course, is that he's been injured so much, including for the past year plus. So people sort of forget about him. Um, but he has some, he has a low threes ERA in his career. And that I just feel like that gets overlooked a lot. If you exclude his bad 2019, when who knows, maybe he was pitching hurt because then he had Tommy John surgery. Um, if you exclude his 2019, his ERA is under three for his career. So um, that's going to be a, a huge addition for the Mets come June or whenever he ends up returning. All indications have been that it is going to be June. Um, so I, I completely agree. That's as good as, as solid as the Mets rotation has looked already. Um, it could look even better come June, July and beyond. You know, Tim, uh, Miguel Castro is a guy that uh, certainly has been getting some, uh, you know, some, some, you know, some ink of late. Uh, you know, I, I just as recently as two weeks ago, I heard Howie Rose talking about, you know, maybe the Mets are the team that have unlocked the puzzle uh, that was Miguel Castro. And of course, no one ever questioned his arm or his desire. It was always, you know, the fact that he was wild, you know, the fact that he, uh, you know, would have those moments where he would just lose it on the mound and go from a guy that was being in control to, you know, giving up four or five runs. Um, I, I'm still not in a place where I trust him, but I think that, uh, since the rest of the bullpen is still kind of feeling its way, do you think that the Mets are going to ride Castro as the setup man, uh, for the time being, or do you think that they're still kind of trying to figure out, uh, whether or not he's the real deal? Um, the Mets like Castro, and yes, he's off to a very good start. I'm not ready to say that the Mets are going to make him their um, routine eighth inning guy. I think that's pretty much still Trevor May right now. Um, and, you know, May's had a pretty soft start to the season, too, with a sub-three ERA. Um, that looks a lot better if you take out his one stinker. He's been good in something like six out of seven appearances. Um, but yes, Miguel Castro has been very good. He's throwing his changeup a lot more this year, and he's felt really confident in it, whereas it had been sort of a, a third pitch that he didn't throw a ton in the past. Um, so the way the Mets' late-inning situation is shaping up right now is, yes, you have Diaz at closer, and he's had a really solid start, uh, but – Castro, May, Loop. It's sort of the, that foursome handles the late innings. And I don't see the Mets deviating from that unless somebody pitches themselves out of that role. Um, and then when you add Seth Lugo back into the picture in a couple of weeks, uh, you know, it should be the, the, the bullpen should look that much better. I mean, when you really think about it, they're, they're really going to have a, I mean, Post All Star break, they're gonna have Lugo back, and then you add in Carrasco and Syndergaard in the starting five. I mean, they're gonna. That's obviously gonna push some guys into the bullpen. That's gonna create a lot of crap. I mean, what are you gonna do there? There's gonna be you're gonna have to either throw Lucchese in the bullpen. You're gonna have to throw Peter like, but Peterson's been good. I don't think he really deserved to get that loss last night. That was tough. I mean, you got to score runs for the guy. 
Yeah, yeah. Peter, Peterson's been okay. I mean, he sort of alternated between good start and terrible start. Yeah. And last night was a good start. But to, to me, he sort of is what he is. You know, he's a back-end guy who hopefully stays healthy and eats innings and, and maybe has a couple years that look better than that. Um, if, and, if and when Syndergaard and Carrasco come back and the Mets need to squeeze somebody out of the rotation – I don't know that Peterson or Lucchese would go to the bullpen, which is also very crowded already. Um, it's not hard to imagine those guys going to AAA and just continuing to pitch, continuing to stay stretched out and being ready whenever the Mets need one of them. So um, the Mets will have some decisions to make as long as everybody stays healthy. Um, but, but as teams will always tell you, that's a good problem to have. Well, unless uh, you got any more questions over there. Um... I just got one, uh, Jack, uh, for Tim. Uh, and Tim, thank you for uh, joining us. I know you took the day off today and uh, you're going to be heading to, the, to, to Philly uh, with the Mets. So really appreciate you spending some time with us. Um, you know, <clears throat> a lot of people uh, have been, I think, uh, unfairly impatient with Luis Rojas this year. Um, I, I still think he's feeling his way uh, with the media. Um, I still think that he uh, is, is thinking about the things that he says too much. I would wish he was a little bit more conversational uh, and less willing to answer some of your guys' questions. Uh, <laughs> you know, um, I, I, I understand he's friendly and, and he's trying to be um, more positive. Look, I, I've said this before. I'll, I'll say it again. I think that front offices today, especially here in New York, are very um, much in control. And I think that the, you know, I don't think they micromanage during the game, but I do think, and, you know, and, and I'd love your opinion on this. I do think that the Mets uh, definitely have a script, you know, and whether that's the right word, whether it's, you know, I'm not going to use a football word like playbook, but they definitely have a script that they'd like to follow during the course of the game, who they'd like to pitch on that particular day, where the lineup is and who's playing in the field and those types of things. I don't think Luis Rojas's job uh, description uh, really allows him to do much audibles, you know, on, on game day. Uh, I know they've said that the lineup is his. I, I choose not to believe that. I don't know how you feel about it, but I think that Luis, I don't think that any of the failings of the team so far can be pointed to him. How do you feel about that? I agree with, I think everything that you just said. Um, first off, yes, too early, too short of a time to really evaluate Luis Rojas. Um, I know they're, you know, if you listen to reactionary fans on Twitter, they would have fired him, you know, a week into the season when the Mets had played games. So uh, fortunately they, they don't make the decisions, uh, but yes, the, the front, the, the buzzword that front offices use and the Mets are no exception is collaboration. And collaboration is basically a code word. That means the front office has a lot of say in the lineup uh, not specific in-game decisions, but at least the philosophy in the if this, then that thought process heading into the game, a script, as you said. Um, I think it would benefit Rojas 
if he, you know, the, the script is there for a reason and the script is based in statistics, right? And probabilities and that's good. But I think there are also times when having a feel for the game is important. And I think you see it with Aaron Boone and the Yankees too. But if you think of, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, a doubleheader in Denver, the Mets are in a position to potentially sweep. They're trailing by a little bit in the second game. Um, and, you know, against that Rockies pitching staff and with this Mets lineup, that was a winnable game for the Mets in the middle to late innings. And then Jacob Barnes comes in and it's his first time pitching in like a week and he wasn't that good in his first game. And then the game got away from the Mets and the Rockies blew it open and, and they split the doubleheader. I think that would have been a situation where you want to see Rojas be more aggressive. You want to see it on opening day. You want Dominic Smith to pinch hit in the most important spot in the game. Don't leave him on the bench. Uh, Rojas came in into the season saying he learned a lot last year and planned to be more aggressive this year. And we haven't seen that yet, but again, it's a small sample size. I look forward to more aggression and pro proactivity from Rojas in his in-game managing. Well, if there's any tough job in the world and any job I would not want, it's to be a manager in New York because <laughs> no matter what you do, if you're not winning, you're getting criticized. So it's, it's tough. The media is tough. And I really hope that he can find his way and just lead the Mets to back to the playoffs, back to a winning playoff team and I mean that's all you can really hope for yeah yeah you know uh the, the opinion of Rojas as a manager will look will be much higher um if the Mets play to their capabilities I think look look, look at Aaron Boone is Aaron Boone a good manager I can't confidently say yes but the Yankees win 100 games every year so he looks like a good manager and his job's not really in danger um, over the course of those seasons, you know, right this moment, it's a little bit of a more interesting conversation. But, um, you know, if, if, if a team wins, if a team plays to its capabilities, then nobody talks about the manager. And that's the best case scenario for a team. Well, that's been another great episode of the Gotham Sports Machine. Thank you, Tim Healy, for coming on. It's been a blast. I hope Thank we you. do this again. Thank you, Jack Healy. Thank you, Mark Healy. Take care, Tim. Take Have care. a good one.